I want to start out with a story. I first arrived in Cape Town seven years ago, and I'd come from Durban where the water was warm, no big sharks, just perfect conditions. So we used to go out, and I did a sport called surf skiing. It's like a canoe for the sea. And I got invited to go on the back of a surf ski with a very experienced paddler when I first arrived in Cape Town. I thought this was unbelievable. I'm going to show him what KZN boys are all about. But I got to the beachfront, and there was this strange mist. You know that Cape Town, like summer morning mist that arrives? It's like you see it coming. You're like, what is that? It's arriving. It's like we are going out, and it's coming in, and that doesn't work. So it's very early on a Saturday morning, and uh, we're about to paddle out into the sea. A very cold sea, might I add. I had no wetsuit. I wasn't prepared. I'm a Durban boy. We paddle in baggies. That's it. This guy comes. He's got like an Aquaman outfit on. It's like over everything. He's ripped. It's just like takes his shirt off. It's disgustingly just ripped like anything. And I'm like, I've got to try to keep up. So we anyway, we start paddling out. And as we go out, we're in the mist. I don't know where we are. I'm just completely trusting my partner. Completely, completely trusting my partner, which is amazing. So we're paddling out, and 10 minutes, we're in the rhythm, and I'm starting to settle. My heartbeat's starting to settle. I'm getting relaxed. And all of a sudden, I just noticed something. There's just something. I don't know what it is. Could be Robben Island. Could be a tanker. We're not sure. It's a little smaller than a tanker. A little bigger than I like, though. So I focus back and I think, well, there might be something in the water, it doesn't matter. Until I look again and I see it's a very big fin, 10 meters to the left of us. Yes, I know preachers tell stories about sharks. Just relax. So we, I don't know what to do. I'm like, do I tell him? Because I don't want him to freak out. Because if he freaks out, then we fall in. Then this thing's here. This is the worst case scenario. Just stay calm. There's something in the water, but stay calm. Just keep going. So we keep paddling. My heart rate is going boom, boom, boom. And all I can hear in my ears is doo-doo. <laughs> it's like we're just paddling. We kept paddling for another, I don't know, 40 minutes. And as we're coming in to shore, I say to him, there was something in the water. He says, yes, I know. Like, Why didn't you say anything? He said, no, you're from KZN. He said, yes. He said, you don't like shocks? I said, no, I don't like shocks. My heart has been going mad. I've been sweating for days. I, I have had every emotion. I'm reminded that I hadn't done my will for quite a while. And a whole bunch of things are just running through my head. I haven't enjoyed this pedal at all. He said, no, I'm going to introduce you to something that's called a sunfish. Anyone know what a sunfish is? It looks exactly like the fin of a great white shark. And it just sits there. And in the mist and the emotions and the moments, all I could think about was there's something in the water and it wants to eat me. It's all I could think about. There's something in the water going through my mind and time and time again. And as I navigate that story, I want to preach today about there's something in the water. It's not a shock. Relax. Bad analogy for the story, but it worked for me. Just brought up a whole bunch of emotions. I think my heartbreak is peaking right now, actually. It's just flashbacks. So it wasn't a great white, but there was something in the water that kept me there. It's something in the water that pulled me in. And I want to speak about today, there's something in the water as we baptize some amazing people, some younger, some older, with different backgrounds, different stories, all in the same water. And the Bible says there's something in the water because Jesus comes and he says he gives us this great commission. You know, you've been given a commission. I've been given a commission. If you've made Jesus your life, you've got, don't pray what the will of God is. He's told us in Matthew 28, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go 
and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he gives us this great promise. He says, and surely, surely I will be with you always to the ends of the earth. I'll just be with you. But in the middle, there's this crazy statement called baptize them. Yes, it's a command. Yes, it's something the Bible says. And yes, it's something that doesn't make sense to everyone. Maybe you're watching online this morning, and if you're joining us, it's wonderful to have you. And maybe you're saying, I don't do church. I didn't want to come to your baptism Sunday because I thought you were going to dump me like an Omar in here. No, we're not. We're just obeying the Word of God. Because we believe there's something in the water, but it's not about the water. This is not COVID-friendly 70% alcohol water. It's just not. We checked. We didn't have to. Considered it. But there's something about the water. So Jesus gives us command. He says, I want you to baptize them. And then he says, I'm not just going to tell you what to do. I'm going to show you what needs to be done. So I want to read from Matthew 3 this morning. It's the model of Jesus. And the first way of following a leader is imitating them. Leader, hey? That's a big word these days. A lot of talk about leadership. Last 24 hours. And Jesus says, you want to be like me? You want to go on the journey of discipleship? Well, imitate what I do. First step of obedience, imitation. It says this in Matthew chapter 3. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. We can't carry on, John, unless you do this. But Jesus, you're the man. I'm just little J-Dog over here, but you're the man. You are Jesus. He says, no, John, for all righteousness to be fulfilled, we need to model this. I need to humble myself and get in that water because there's something in that water. And I've got a bigger story than you know about. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Now there's this rule or law of doing theology and hermeneutics about the law first mentioned, we see this mention of Jesus getting baptized. It sets something of a precedent for every believer who makes this decision. So today I'm not just speaking and preaching for those being baptized. I want to speak to you. Maybe you got baptized decades ago. I won't say how many decades, but maybe decades ago. And it was something you did, a box you ticked in your Christian walk. And while we just carry on now, it's good for someone else. Now I want to remind you of the, the power, the potential, and the life that it pulls us into that Jesus shows us. It pulls us into something glorious. Maybe today you are being baptized. I want to raise your expectation. Because often, I don't know about you, but, but when I got baptized, I got baptized in a more conservative church movement. I was very young, the same age as my little boy is being baptized today, 10 years old, and there were objections in the church. So I had to go have a meeting with the pastor. So my mother, Joy Lynette Van Pletsen, and I walked into Pastor Gerald Honey's office, sat down. I wore a cap, wasn't really liked in those days, but I wore it anyway. And Gerald Honey started asking me questions about the gospel, about Jesus. And I started to answer the questions about the gospel, about Jesus. And he 
thought it was fine for me to get baptized. So my baptism looked a bit different. The wall kind of opened up at the church behind the pulpit. And there was this glass that with a baptismal font and waters behind. And there's Gerald Honey standing. Just like, I'm here. And we would walk in from the side with our white robes and walk down into the water. But no excitement. No one's clapping. No one's getting excited. Why? Because this is a moment. This was, for me, a moment that I had to do because the Bible said, there's obedience in your act. Amen. And then there's power in your imitation of Jesus. But I want to raise all of our expectation of this act and this moment, whether you got baptized 30 years ago, whether you're being baptized today, or whether you're saying it's not for me. Why would I get wet for Jesus? I want to raise your expectations. And how am I going to do that? I'm going to show you what happened with Jesus when he made that decision. Simple, not complicated today, very simple. Number one, it says this, heaven was opened. Now, I don't know about you, but in church circles, that word gets mentioned a lot, open heavens. It quite simply means the nearness, the closeness of God's power and potential of heaven and his presence in our lives that we aren't separated and far from. You know what the root word for anxiety is? separated. You're struggling with anxiety. You need to get close to God again. You need to experience the open heavens over your lives. And you know what I love about the story? It doesn't say they were closed. It just says they were opened. And as we walk and we walk into baptism and we walk in the favor of these things, being sons and daughters of the living God, we walk in the open heavens of God that are not closed over our lives. Raise your expectations of what Jesus will do in your life and call in more of heaven on this side of eternity. We will still experience pain. We'll still experience challenges. But we have the nearness of heaven in our story. Secondly, and beautifully, it says this, the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. The Spirit of God. God leaves heaven. God comes down. The Spirit of God comes and descends on Jesus. The same way I pray, and I've been praying all week, that the Spirit of God would descend on you. Not that you haven't experienced Him, but there would be an indwelling, a remaining. And that same story is reflected in, in the book of John. And I love the way John presents it. He says this, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on Him. Remain on Him. The power is not in the fact that the Spirit of God descended. That's beautiful. That's amazing. And that is outstanding. The beauty and the potential is that the Spirit of God remained on him. Maybe your heartbeat for Christ needs to go up again. Maybe you need to realize there was something in the water. And maybe you thought it was a religious act at the time. But your heart rate for Jesus, for spiritual things, for eternal things, need to go up again because there's something in the water and His Spirit remains on us. Amen. And whatever your theology about grace or whatever your theology about ticking the boxes, I want to tell you, Jesus is better than you could ever know. The Spirit of God is more powerful than you could ever know. And He wants to come and remain on you. See, we try to shake Him off. Fortunately, I don't think God is as skittish as a dove. Especially if you know the neighbors I've got. And, um, <laughs> but lastly, it says this. My son, and a voice from heaven speaks. I pray a voice from heaven would speak in a world with a thousand voices shouting and everyone's got a voice. Amen. Maybe even saved for years. I pray the voice from heaven would speak. You can listen to a thousand preachers, and I could preach my guts out for a thousand days in a row and never stop. But if the voice from heaven doesn't speak, I promise you nothing will change. 
We preach the Word of God so that the voice of heaven speaks. We baptize so that the voice of heaven speaks. We call people into the Spirit of God and into His presence and into salvation. Why? So that God would speak. He doesn't need my voice. He doesn't need your neighbor's voice. He doesn't need your life group leader's sure. voice. He has a voice yeah. and He wants to speak. Yeah. And this yeah. is what He spoke to His Son. And this is what He'll speak to you today. If you allow yourself to get wet in His presence, He says, this is my Son. See, my son's getting baptized today. And my prayer, see, because as an earthly father, I've failed many times. But the father in heaven, he doesn't fail. He says, this is my son. You're his son. Each and every one of you are his daughter and his son. And he says, whom I love. I tell that boy every day of his life that I love him. And I've started to see him doing it with people. He'll walk up and hug them and he says, I love you. I love you. But I need him to know that he's loved by the eternal king. Higher and greater than any love of this earth. And lastly, says this with whom I'm well pleased. Well pleased. Oh. We live in a world trying to please something, someone on social media, getting likes, on life, getting this, on, on politics and whatever it is. It's, I want to please someone with my position, my statement, my argument. And Jesus just says, I want to tell you what I am before my Father so that you can know what you are before your Father. He is well pleased. Amen. Settle the anxiety, Amen. settle the insecurity, settle the pain, Amen. settle the, the, all the things and the voices that shout, let His voice speak. But there's a challenge in this baptism. Will you keep getting in the water? Oh, Mark, I've been baptized. I'm not talking about getting baptized again. I'm telling you, the baptism is more for those around us in many ways, watching and seeing, than it is for my heart, which every day is called to make a decision to keep getting back in the water. And it's, why do we do full immersion? Well, Jesus left the perfection of heaven to come into the brokenness of our world and he fully immersed himself in our pains, in our brokenness, in our woundedness, in our insecurities, in our world, in our relational challenges. He immersed himself in that so that we could completely be immersed in his blood and his grace and his goodness. And my act of baptism is a statement to the world around me. It's a shout to my heart which doubts and limits what God could do in my life at times. And it pulls me into to more and more and more of heaven. I am needing you to get more excited because we are going to baptize some amazing people today. And life changes. But there's a challenge. And here's the challenge. See, there's miracles in the water. Jesus said, cast your nets on the other side. Multiplication. He did it again later. Jesus said, fill those water jugs. Provision for a wedding. Jesus says, actually, what I, I need to heal your eyes. And he spits in us and says, go and wash it out in the water. Healing. Do you need healing? Get in the water. Get under the water. Get in his grace, completely immersed and submerged Amen. again. Stop counting, oh, my guilt and my shame, I can't enter in. That's why it's water. Because you know what water does? It washes clean. Jesus could have used any example, any analogy, any story, but get in the water. And the challenge is, what do we do as we never get the water? And seven years ago, I used this analogy, and I'm going to use it again. And I've seen people baptized since I was young on the beaches of Durban, in pools around the suburbs of Durban, in the mountains of KZN. First thing, the watch comes off. Oh, Jesus, you can have everything. 
You just can't have my time. You've got Sunday from 8.30 to 9.45 because I need a coffee. That's it. You can't have my time. You want me to love who? That's going to take time. So we take it off and put it aside. Or what about our wallets? All our money and wealth. I've worked hard for that. You can have everything, Jesus. Would you do miracles in everything? You just can't have my money. And he says, whatever you leave outside, it's not getting wet. I promise you, the miracles can't follow. He says, "What, what about other things? Oh, the precious gift of the apple. All its contacts and the world, it all unfolds to us. And all the names that I've worked so hard to get on here and my, my rapport and my prestige in life and what people think of me, that's going to stay outside, Jesus. You know what I'm also going to do? I'm going to take my fancy shoes off. Because I've worked hard for those and I don't want to get them dirty. And oh, I don't know if I want to get baptized because it's going to mess up my hair. And Jesus says every day, will you keep getting baptized? Will you keep stepping into the water? And pulling people in. See, this is what he says in Matthew 16. He says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Sure, sure. Oh, Mark, that's not the soft stuff that I thought I heard. Just come to Jesus. all going to be good. No, you've got to get wet. See, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever wishes to lo- lose his life for my sake will find it. You want to find life? Lose it. There's no other gospel. Not, not find life because people get pulled in as presidents of nations. Not find life because economics turn around. Not find life because the, the repo rates down. No, find life when you lose it in Jesus Amen. and get submerged Amen. in His grace and His glory. It says, For what will profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What will you give for your soul? Jesus says, what will you get wet every day? Yes, I'm speaking to young and older people who are getting decisions, making decisions for Jesus. And I know some of your stories, and they're unbelievable. But Jesus said, will you do this every day? Every day. Will you keep taking it in to the story and keep pulling it in to him? It's the challenge of the gospel. Maybe you can't see me. I'm going to kneel on this. And your time, your talents, your treasures, your guilt, and your shame, if it's not wet, I'm going to say, you are limiting the miracles in your story. And I love you, and I pray for you, but I can't dunk you under the water. I've tried to dunk people in baptisms, and that's how epic fail movies happen. That's how wigs come off. And awkward moments happen because people think they're drowning. You won't drown. But I'd rather be drowned in His love than not know it ever. I'd rather be held and wet for days and the, the conditions not being perfect. But I'd rather give it all to Him to find life. Before we baptize, I want to take a moment. We've got some little videos of people as they come up. Actually, let's do the baptisms first. I'm going to ask Quentin to come up and facilitate this moment. But I want to ask you, as you see young and old making decisions to be baptized today, will you get in the water again? Will you get wet again? See, I've known His presence and I've known what it is to be far from His presence. 
I've sat on Saturday night saying, God, I've got to preach your word tomorrow, and I feel dry. He says, will you keep getting in? Will you keep taking the water and washing? Will you keep allowing me to wet every part of your life from the top of your head to the bottom? Dealing with anxiety? Get in the water of life. You're dealing with debt. Get in the water of life. You've got guilt and shame all over you. Get in the water of life and let him wash it off you. Amen. Because he's that good. He's that powerful. And he loves you that much.